Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Encounter with God Together, our weekly audio and video podcast where we go over the readings in our daily Bible reading guide by the same name. And I'm I'm really happy to welcome uh, Reverend Richard Hasselback with me again tonight. He's not unfamiliar to our program. Uh, Richard is a board member, a pastor in New York, and uh, a good expositor of of the word. And Richard, it's great to see you. No, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me again. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm looking forward to you taking us home with Second Samuel. Uh, we've been in the book for a while now, and we're closing it out with this week coming up. And it's a fascinating set of readings. It really is. Because it starts, and, and you've been in it already, but it, it would be wrong not to speak of chapter 22 from the from the beginning. Because it's, right. a, it's a lengthy psalm-like poem, uh, perhaps by David. Uh, it, but if you look at the, the Hebrew in the text, it's archaic Hebrew, and it probably dates from the time of David. So it's very likely that he, if he didn't write it, it was written during his lifetime or around his lifetime. So it's, it was also not uncommon in uh, the Hebrew literature of the time to begin and end um, narratives with with a poetic piece like this. Mm. So if you if you look, it's it's sort of a, a technique of inclusion. If you look at First Samuel chapter two, there is Hannah's prayer, mm -hmm. and it's a poem, and it's a poem that's very much like David's song here. So it, it's it, it suggests to me that that the author um, sandwiched his work in one and two Samuels between these two poems, which are a way into understanding what he wants to tell his reader. Oh, that's and, good. <clears throat> so if, if you look at the Hannah, the Hannah prayer, uh, my heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord, my horn is lifted up, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. So Hannah is saying very much what David is saying in, in his poem, that God delivers me. You know, yeah. in, in, in this final poem, it's towards the end of David's life. Um, and it's a, it's a retrospective. And it's actually, two, I call it what a final poem. It's actually two poems uh, just next to each other. Uh, but this great one that, 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 that starts uh, the, the chapter 22 is, is almost the same wording as Psalm 18. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you see, um, you know, perhaps, which is also archaic Hebrew, by the way. So also something that uh, very possibly was written by David, or at least in David's lifetime. Um, and and what, what's it saying? It's, like Hannah, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer in whom I take refuge. It's my salvation, my stronghold. Lord, you save me. I called upon the Lord who was worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. So it's, it's, it's his retrospective on a life infused by the protection and the love of God. Mm. And it's a God who, who, who is part of our history. I mean, and, and I think that's something that we devotionally we can take home because God isn't removed, remote, mm -hmm. uh, uninterested in us or interested in us only in a, in a, um, 
uh, tangential way, we are part of God's life. I mean, he, he loves us mm-hmm. and does protect us and, and does take an interest in our lives and in um, the, the, the uh, world around us. So as, as David could sing this song at the end of his life, he looks back and he says, look, I've had tough times. I mean, Saul tried to kill me. My own son revolted against me. But in all of it, I have turned to God and he has protected me. Mm. And he has been my rock and my refuge and my uh, fortress and a place where I could turn uh, for God's protection and love. So, so that's, I, I see that both in Hannah's song and in and in in this oops, bookmarks just fell out. Um, in in this uh, in this canticle of David here, and he also he he begins to talk about God entering the world, and he paints a, a, a fascinating picture. Uh, in my distress, I called to call to him, uh, I called to my God, and from His temple He heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heaven shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. And it goes on. He mounted the cherubim and flew his sword. He's painting a picture of the experience of the holy. Rudolf Otto, when he taught Rudolf Otto in the 30s, I think, wrote a, a book um, in German. It was Das Heilige in English, the idea of the holy. And he does a he attempts a phenomenology of of of, of the holy. What what is it like? Uh, how do we experience God phenomenologically? Hmm. And he he boils it down to this numinum tremendum et facinans. This this new tr- tremendous, mysterious, and fascinating. Um, experience so it's it's both terrifying and alluring mm. and 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 wholly other from us and so when David paints this picture he paints the picture of the holy when we deal with God we're not dealing with I've heard people refer to God as the only the, the old guy in the sky I live right next to, I live next to uh, the throughway so the motorcycle <laughs> just went past the old God isn't the old man upstairs. God is the holy other. Right. When we experience God, we are in the presence of absolute mystery. And we, if, if we experience that directly, are both terrified by it and, and, and fascinated by it. And that's what I hear when I see David's um, um, exposition or D- David's poetry about God coming down from heaven. The one who comes down from heaven, the one who enters our world, is the one wholly other than our world. Mm. But he is the one who loves us in our world and comes to our defense. Mm. And, and, and I think David, David sort of gets that. I mean, David is, he's an amazing guy because he's not, not a fellow without his flaws. <laughs> and, yeah, that's been clear these past chapters. Well, but... but um, He, he he talks about how um, God helped him because of, of uh, God helped him because of David's righteousness. 
and you look back at the right, well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I think what he's what he's talking about it, and it's something to take home too is David is sensing that righteousness in God's eyes isn't our perfection, but it's our willingness when we are imperfect to continue to repent and turn back to him. Mm. So that's the righteousness I think that Dave, now, I mean, Calvin would have, a, or any of the Protestant guys would, would have a, a, a problem, I think, with this, the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands, he has rewarded me, for I have kept his ways, I've kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. Well, yes, he had. Yeah, I think the author uh, of the notes kind of points out that maybe David wasn't quite seeing himself rightly here. Um, but he did know that his posture toward God was, um, was I think, toward God. You know, his posture was toward well, God. And I think that's that's what I get out of this. Not that, I mean, I, I'm willing to say that this is, he, David is taking some poetic license. Yeah. But he's, he's doing it uh, because he has the sense that no matter how far he strayed, and he did... I mean, I don't consider myself a you know perfect person by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, I never killed anybody to get to their wife. Yeah. Um, so, good to know. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, David did some hideous things. Yeah. But he constantly sought forgiveness. And it's and, a foreshadowing, and, isn't it, of, of Jesus, who's our righteousness, who is our, is our righteousness. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, David is in. It's great to see all the imperfect people in Jesus' line. So we know that um, we, his, you know, his brothers and sisters who have been adopted by the Father through grace, uh, we get to be imperfect too. But, but the, the trick with David, and it's it's something that's important for us as well, is we have to keep turning back. Yes, we can never say, "Oh, what a good boy I am." Oh, I'm yeah. so righteous. I mean, it used to be, <laughs> there was a time I wasn't that, that righteous, but now, oh boy, am I good. Now, you never get there. It's right. it's always um, a process of turning back to God in humility, recognizing that only his grace does save us. Mm -hmm. There's a, a story, I, I well, it's a joke really, but a fellow dies and goes to heaven. St. Peter meets him with a clipboard and he says, you know, we have a point system here. And the fellow says, I've never heard of that. He says, St. Peter says, oh yeah, you have to get to 100 points. If you get to 100 points, we let you in. Uh, and it's based on things you've done on earth. And So um, tell me something about, you know, how did you live? And the guy said, well, I, you know, I was faithful, a faithful member of my church. I went every Sunday. I was an elder. I was a deacon. Uh, I tithed in St. Peter. So oh, that's very good. What's well, one point? That's just one point. He said, well, I, I was active in the community. I, I worked with Habitat for Humanity. And, um, you know, I, I, I volunteered at the local shelter and at the food pantry. Uh, I, I gave a lot of my assets and resources to the poor. And St. Peter says, oh, that's really good, too. That's another point. 
And the fellow says, holy crow. And at this rate, I'll only get in by the grace of God. And Peter said, that's, <laughs> that's 98 points. You're in. <laughs> so it, it is, then it's a long way of saying we are saved by the grace of God. Yeah. Because none of us is righteous. And David had enough self-awareness to know that but he also knew that by turning back to god he had faith in god's forgiveness so he could say with some degree of honesty that um you know i i i have been dealt with according to my righteousness because i've been made righteous by the god who forgives Mm. There's a great deal, at least as I see it, there's a great deal of forgiveness in this. Yeah. He's also been dealt with according to his sin, which is interesting. Yes. You know? So. Uh, yeah, he has not had it easy. On the flip side there. And there's there's a lot of, I mean, there's, if, you, if, you like, uh, if you like war movies, the scriptures are full of the, these battle things. But um, <clears throat> he recounts how, how God was with him in battle. You know, it is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. Mm. So he, he, he's consistent, as is Hannah in the earlier um, poem, it, consistent in saying, look, I have been taken care of by the God who gives me power. And without that God, uh, maybe my feet don't resemble the feet of deers, maybe deer, and maybe I, I don't get to bend the bow of bronze, mm -hmm. uh, but, I, but he's been with me and he's been at my side and, and, and he's protected me all these years. So this is, it's a song of, of um, in some ways of humility, um, to the faithful you show yourself faithful to the blameless you show yourself blameless to the pure you show yourself pure but to the devious you show yourself shrewd uh, you save the humble but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low there's that sense and you see it <clears throat> in Hannah's can canticle you see it in Mary's canticle in, in um, the Gospel of Luke. You know, my, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's brought down the, the, the mighty from their thrones. And he's exalted the lowly. And so this is the God of reversal. Hmm. This is the God who takes the poor and lifts them up. Because the poor know they need God. And this is the God that pulls down the haughty because they don't know that they need God. And he's not pulling them down to be nasty to them. He's pulling them down so that they can figure out that they need him. Mm. So <clears throat> it's when we're brought low that we can, I have a friend who's a pastor in Nigeria, or uh, yeah, in Uganda. <clears throat> he was telling me, he was over here. And he said, you know, I've been in this country doing ministry and I've been in my country. And I can tell you this, he said, in my country where, the, where people have nothing, they know they need God. And he said, we see miracles. He said, here in your country, you have so much, but you don't know you need God as much. 
and so you don't see the miracles that we see. Hmm. And and I believe that to be true. That, that mm-hmm. he, he was right on. And I think it's faithful to David's insights in this poem too. Hmm. <clears throat> then he, he gets, I, I don't know how much time we have, but uh, he gets on to the second poem. These are David's last, these are the last words of David. <clears throat> well, they're not. I mean, because he doesn't <laughs> die until the first Kings. So we got to get a little more of them. But um, this is probably his last poem. And um, what does he say? He, he, he's saying that, that, that God inspires this poem. When one rules over people in righteousness. Now, this is, this is the David the king who's looking back on his career as ruler of the people. He says, when, you, when one rules over, the, over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise. On a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass to the earth. He's saying something. <clears throat> we live in a political world of tremendous division right now and nastiness. You know, they're on every side. They want you to hate the other guy. And by the way, send us some money. <laughs> David is saying, wait, rule over people in righteousness. That's what you need to look for. That's, th- those are the types of leaders that make, um, uh, that are like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning. And, and uh, so I think he's, he's giving us a little primer on what the good leader, what the good politician, what the good statesperson is like. And, and the characteristic that he's pitching, that he's promoting is, is righteousness. And you might say, what's righteousness? Well, righteousness for David and I, for me too, is, is to, to make decisions in accordance with, with the love and the will of God as he reveals that to us and not to play to the crowds uh, and to take the consequences for that. Uh, I was thinking today, to, to, I, I preached today on authority because we had that, um, the gospel of, of Matthew, Matthew 21, 33 and following. And it's Jesus in the temple. He's been turning over tables and, you know, making a general nuisance of himself as the chief priest would call it. And, and they go to him and they say, well, who, who, who made you the boss of me? I mean, come on. What, 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 what gives you the authority to throw our money changers out of, out of my temple? <clears throat> and Jesus uh, stops them at their own game by, by uh, you know, asking them. He said, well, I'll tell you where I get my authority if you tell me where John's baptism came from. And they realized they couldn't do that because it, he put them in a very difficult position with the crowd. Then he gave them this, this quirky little parable. It's very easy to, 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 to figure out. Uh, um, all parables are about the kingdom of God. So the, the, a man has two sons, well, that's God, uh, has two sons, and he sends the first out to the field. He says, go out in the field and do some work. And the first one says, not in your life. I'm not going to go out in the field. Uh, but he stomps off, and, and, and then he, he repents of his crabbiness and goes out and works. The second son, <clears throat> sort of like an, the Eddie Haskell, if people are old enough to remember Leave it to Beaver, 
of the uh, of the parable. He says, "Oh, certainly, sir. I will go right out to the pet to, to the vineyard and and get some work done." And he doesn't do it. And Jesus said, "Well, which one did the the will of God, uh, the will of the Father?" And they said, "Well, the first. He's the one who actually did what he was asked to do." And Jesus said, "Well, you know something. John came in righteousness, and he was preaching repentance, and you didn't listen to him. But prostitutes and sinners." And, and tax collectors are walking into the kingdom of God ahead of you because they heard John's call for repentance and they repented. And, you know, it, that's the hard, the hard challenge of, of scripture, of the, 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 um, the Old Testament, the New Testament. It, it's, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a head game. It's not, we can't just think nice thoughts or sit in a room for an hour and, you know, sing at each other, <clears throat> pray a little bit. Christianity and faith in general, Judeo-Christianity, is about doing the will of God. It's about righteousness, doing the best we can. Look at David. David was uh, a man who was beloved by God, but he screwed up all the time. He just kept trying. And I think that's what, that's what uh, in some ways, that's what these scriptures are asking, it seem to be asking us to do, is mm. to, to, to be, <clears throat> to, to to pattern ourselves in in our in our public lives, not not just not just in our church lives, but with our families, with our friends, in our neighborhood, and our in our making our political choices locally, nationally. Do do what is righteous, and do it prayerfully, and um, and then you you too can be. Um, like the light of morning at sunrise or on a cloudless morning or on a cloudless morning. Mm, yeah. I like that. That's beautiful imagery <laughs> of, of a leader that's seeking to follow God, bringing, uh, bringing that light and uh, beauty as opposed to yeah. the opposite of that. So and what follows then is after that second poem is like a list of, of the great, um, martial deeds of David's followers. Also very ancient language there. This is the, this is the memory of a people about That's the, uh, this is like uh, us telling about, talking about the greatest generation mm. um, and D-Day and World War II. Th these, are, these are the great heroes of David's time. And it's, so it's interesting, I mean, if their names were more pronounceable, I'd like these passages better, but, um, but it, it's, it's interesting in its own right because it gives us a glimpse into, into the history. <clears throat> and then should I get on to that uh, chapter 24 stuff? Yeah, if you want to quickly kind of kind of tip people off. I think the, the, the writer of the notes also tries to, uh, to make a nod to what we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> chapter 24, God, God gets angry at Israel. And it, it's hard to figure out why based on the translation, at least that I have here. Um, because it starts again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David against them saying, go take a census of Israel and Judah. And it looks like God's asking David to take a census and then getting annoyed with him. when He does it, but to understand it, I think we need to, 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 to uh, look at Chronicles, uh, first Chronicles 21, one and two where it says Satan rose up 
against Israel and incited David to take up a census. So the he here, the pronoun in the second uh, part of that sentence is, I believe, um, referring not to God, but to Satan. And if that, then the rest of the chapter sort of makes sense. Makes like sense. God, you know, why he's God, conscious God, stricken, God, why yeah. God's upset. Right. Yeah. Why, why would a census be annoying to God? Because they've taken up other ones earlier in the uh, scriptures. A except that what they're doing is they're looking for all the, the young men of, of spear-carrying age. Uh, and it looks like this might be... Um, you know, let's let's see what type of an army we can field, um, and it, it might be the predicate to uh, conscription, mm -hmm. which is why um, what's his name? Why Joab says you really want to do that because um, he didn't think it was a good idea, and and in the end, David realized that it wasn't a good idea either. And repented, and mm -hmm. then, and so the, the the book ends with David repenting and doing uh, homage to God and, and adoring God in a in, a, uh, in the field of somebody the Jebusite I think it was it. I'm not finding it fast, but but David ends up building an, an altar and making a sacrifice and, and again, repenting. Mm -hmm. Dave, if David does anything well, it's turned back to God. He, he does stupid things. He does impetuous things, but God's love never leaves him because David never stops turning back to God, asking for forgiveness and believing that he got it. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's uh, that's a recipe for us as well, you know. Yeah. We 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 don't um, we don't earn God's love by being good, but we stay righteous when we continue to turn back to God, trying to respond to His amazing and generous love for us. That's what David did, and I think that's uh, that's our call too. Right. 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 That's right. And recognizing that the righteousness of Jesus that that he's imputed to us so that, you know, we just have that in his eyes, which is. Oh, that's I mean, what we have, what David never had, which we have, we have uh, our Christ. Yeah. And and it's the blood of Jesus that that assures our salvation. Yeah. Um, and but it's but God never changes God's ways. And God's been forgiving since the dawn of time. Yep. And, That's right. Uh, and will continue to do so. That's a good note. That's a good note for the week, uh, Richard, I think. You know, well, turning back and recognizing um, who we are in his sight. That's right. And, and uh, David certainly did uh, that. So He's a good role model for us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very, very human yet a very good, faithful. A bad, good role. <laughs> well, exactly. He's a great role model because he's a sinner like we are. Exactly. And, exactly. And God loves him because uh, because God's, because that's what God does. God loves yeah those who uh, allow Him to love them, and that's what repentance is all about. 
Great. Would you pray for us this week, Richard? Absolutely. Creator mm -hmm. God, I give you thanks for everyone involved in Scripture Union. I, I lift up uh, Gail and the board as they prepare to, to meet later this month. Um, I lift up everyone who who uses Encounter with God, who, who uh, watches Encounter with God together. I ask you to fill them with your spirit um, and use this little organization to do the great work of your kingdom by calling people into loving relationships with with Jesus your son and 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 then keeping those relationships sound and solid by ongoing community and and uh, and work together so so father god please bless scripture union bless gail bless all the people involved with scripture union bless all the people who have found god or are found finding finding you through scripture union and i make this prayer in jesus name and through the power of the spirit amen amen thank you so much richard and thank everyone you. You have a, a wonderful week god bless take care god bless. bye for now okay